I feel like I want to be better on the other side of this. And I don't know what even this is. I put this in quotations. How long is this? But I don't want to waste it. But I also want to make sure that taking opportunity to actually like find not just a contentment in what we would call chaos, but also that I just get better. The tendency, I think, for a lot of us is just to bury our head in the sand and hold on. And I don't want to hold on. Like I don't, I don't want to look at this and go, I made it through. I want to I look at it and go, I crushed it. Welcome to the Live Lead Last podcast, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode. I'm James Duvall, and I'm here with Lisa, my incredible wife and fantastic co-host. Hey, friends. It's so good to be with you again this week. Wherever you're located, whatever you're doing, we hope you're doing great, and today's episode will equip you to live, lead, and continue to create the legacy you desire. Thank you for continuing to share the podcast with your friends and family. Every week, we're seeing the Live Lead Last community grow, and we know that is a result of you spreading the word. Yeah, we couldn't do it without you. So Lisa, you're starting out on a new adventure with a few of your friends. Can you share with us what you're working on? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's the ministrymentors.com. It's ministry mentors, obviously, just like the name says. A great leader friend of mine is looking to connect younger ministry leaders with vintage ministry leaders like myself. I kind of rather say I'm a vintage person than an older person. I know having someone 10 or 15 years ahead of you is helpful and hopeful as you're leading in ministry. So strengthening the personal life, leadership life, making sure, as we talk about, James, that your front stage life and your backstage life are in sync. So I'm excited to jump in with my friend embarking on that. That's so cool. Super excited for you and the impact you're going to have on helping young leaders lead at a higher level. I know you do that on a regular basis already. So this is just going to extend that. So that's super cool. Speaking of helping leaders at a high level, I'm really excited about today's guest. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Brad Lominick. Brad is a leadership consultant, speaker, founder of Blink, and the author of The Catalyst Leader in H3 Leadership. He also recently launched a new podcast called H3 Leadership. Brad led and directed a movement of young leaders called Catalyst and its annual Catalyst conference for 12 years. Brad writes about leadership, the next generation, creativity, innovation, social media, teamwork, and personal growth. This episode is so good. So let's get into it. Brad, it's great to have you on the podcast. We really appreciate you giving us the gift of your time. We've known each other for a few years now, and I've always been so appreciative anytime that I get to hang out with you, to learn from you. You really are a wealth of knowledge. And so it's awesome to have you on our podcast today. I'm excited to be on and thanks for having me. For those listeners who may not be as familiar with you as I am, could you share a bit of your background and journey in leadership? Sure. I think the biggest thing for me that would probably be good context is I got to work a few years for John Maxwell. That's a big deal. Yeah, that was huge in terms of giving me an opportunity and really was the chance for me to to get involved with Catalyst. And I got to run that for a bunch of years. So that would, that would probably be the thing people who know me would be most aware of. I've written a couple of books, but I always had that feeling, James, like when I was growing up, that sense of the embers that kind of burn deep down. I felt there was something on my life that was connected to leadership. But I never really knew what the outlet would be. For what, For a time, I thought it would be being a pastor. For a time, I thought it would be politics. When I reverse engineer my story and my journey, I don't know how to make sense of it. Obviously, God does. But a lot of the pieces of my story, when you start to try to connect the dots, they don't make sense on the surface. So I think that's exciting. And especially today when young leaders especially are trying to navigate 
what does this season look like? And how long should I do this? And how do I get to the ultimate destination? My answer is always, you got to really start with some foundational framework pieces that will give you some runway. And so my calling statement is to influence influencers. And through gatherings, connecting, curating, if there's some verbs that go along with that, but really I feel like the thing on my life and whatever I'm doing, I'm supposed to be trying to make an impact on leaders. That's awesome. So obviously leadership is, as John Maxwell would say, is, is influence. Obviously you have a lot of influence, especially with young leaders through Catalyst and now what you're doing with a lot of organizations with influencing and coaching. But would you say there are any key factors that have most impacted your ability to influence people? Because you just didn't step in like, here I am. So were there any things as a young leader that you felt like really impacted your ability to influence at the level you are now? Yeah, I learned early on, just after college, the power of curiosity and question asking. And I really learned it on a guest ranch in Colorado. Okay. I was a wrangler, like riding horses and helping run a ranch. And I would go out for two hour rides with CEOs, with captains of industry, with people who are very successful because this is an expensive place to bring your family. You got to have a conversation. So I learned how to ask good questions to people that I had no like connection to. And that really was a game changer for me because it's true. When you're young, you're always trying to gain credibility. You're always trying to like get invited into the room, right? You're always trying to prove that you belong. And I just found that the best way to prove I belonged was to be really curious and walk in literally and figuratively with a moleskin and just that sense of I'm interested in what you have to say and I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to honor you because I am going to want to pull the best out of you. Don't try to be the expert. Just be really good at finding experts that you can ask good questions to. So that's one thing that's really helped me along my journey. That's really good. Just to add on to this, I know the idea of who in leadership is really important to you, who you are and, and who you're around. How has that who or who's in your life really either amplified or limited your influence? Arguably, it's everything. Or it's been the way that probably each season led to the next. And the what is the question everybody asks. What are you majoring in? What are you doing? What are you going to do next? So I would encourage, especially those in the early stage, first half of their life, but at every stage, work on your who and work on the who you're around, that will lead to your what. If you get around people that are sharp and can invest in you and that you want to learn from, it doesn't matter really what they're working on. You're going to walk away from that season with huge amounts of impact and knowledge and wisdom and discernment and experience, obviously. I think it might be the most important denominator in, especially in determining like what job should I have? Like what should be my vocational season of assignment? But we focus so much on what is it? You know, what's going to be my role? What's going to be the thing I have to get good at? And that's important, but I'll take who over what every time. Yeah, it's almost cliche now, but I think it was Jim Rohn who said, you're the average of your five closest friends. And it really is true. The people that you surround yourself are really going to help determine some of the paths that you walk and the direction that your life, your career is going to take. I think one thing that's changing again, even with some of the way that even education is being done, you're now starting to see that proximity is actually becoming paramount with especially the college experience. Companies are doing this now. Starbucks is doing it. Amazon, Google, Facebook. They're all going to start saying, we're going to give you the opportunity to come spend a couple of years here and just be around us. And that is going to be crucial to the way we approach like what culture is doing, how we're connecting with people the way we approach leadership and influence. So these mentoring circles and the cohort, all of that is new language. that's going to be really a big part of the leadership journey going forward. 
Yeah, and I think it's that immersive piece of being in culture too. A lot of leadership is the culture of leadership. And sometimes you just don't get that in the classroom setting or in a, a book or a conversation, but being immersed in a leadership culture and seeing how decisions are made, how choices take place or how conflict is resolved, all those soft skills really of leadership, you don't necessarily get in an educational setting, but if you can immerse that with real life leaders and who you're rubbing shoulders with is really going to be important in a leadership piece. Think of the coaching tree in pro sports. You could argue the last several years that the NFL head coaches who are being hired, it's all based on who were you on staff with? Your X's and O's are important and your game plan and obviously the way you lead. But really, it's about, oh, so you were part of the staff at Andy Reid's team or at Bill Belichick's team. All of a sudden, that just elevates your opportunity. That's a who question. It's a who answer, right? It's a who solution, just as one example. That's true. So you've actually had a lot of opportunity to be around some very significant, if not some of the most significant people of influence and culture. Are there a couple people that stand out to you who really made an impact on your life? John Maxwell, for sure. And I didn't spend a ton of time with John. It was a shorter season, but just watching him and the way he approached not just leadership and learning and being hungry and, you know, but also just the way he treated people. When you're the grand poobah, everybody wants your time. I'm always impressed with people who treat everyone the same and they give honor to everyone, regardless of what that person can do for them. I remember we had Chuck Swindoll speak at Catalyst one year, which was one of the one of the best talks ever. Sort of him in his fourth quarter talking to a bunch of first quarter knuckleheads, young leaders. And when he came in to the arena, all these show pro security officers that work at the arena had requested to be there that week at the arena because they knew Chuck Swindoll was coming. He was like, oh my gosh, Chuck Swindoll. And so he showed up and all these show pro people in their yellow jackets sort of gathered in the loading dock area when he walked in and he stopped and talked and hung out and took pictures and laughed with them. He was about to go speak. And it was such a great sort of refreshing scene to see somebody, his level, that sense of, no, I'm going to honor these people that nobody else sees. Nobody else sees the yellow jacketed show pro security people. That was just such a refreshing reminder of, man, the further you go up the ladder of power and knowledge and celebrity status and followers, the more you have to be intentional about seeing people at all levels as incredibly important. Yeah, I'm always blown away by Dr. Maxwell. I'll see him at church and we know each other, but not super close, but he always takes a moment. He's very intentional, always gives me a hug, wants to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes because we have that in common. That intentionality to actually make people feel like, man, you are very important to me in this moment. Brad, I feel like you had that same kind of thing about you. I'm always impressed about being at a big conference and I'll text you and just, hey, man, you did a great job. And you're like, oh, you're here. And like, you have so many things going on in your mind and work on those things. But just to be intentional. And I think that is important as we grow in our leadership influence to kind of go, hey, reality is we still put our pants on one leg at a time, still have a lot of the flaws that things we're working through and still to encourage and help people take that next step is really cool. Yeah. And this is a huge thing, especially for those of us who in any kind of role we have where we're gathering people or we've got a crowd, the expectation now is that there is access. There's no space between us. And that's because all the hierarchy has gone away. That would have been the gatekeeper or where they're perceived or actually real. Part of our role as leaders is to shorten the gap. We have to reduce the gap between what we think should be distance and what that person thinks. Sometimes it's just simply an acknowledgement. People want to know they actually like matter. 
The thing about John Maxwell that I love too is he uses people's names. I learned that from John. He would meet somebody, and if they walked back up to him 10 minutes later in a book signing line, he would say, hey, Bill, you need something? I know you're back. And Bill's like, how do you remember my name? And he's walking away feeling great about himself. So just something simple like that can be a game changer for people. Yeah, that huge Maxwellism, just walk through the crowd slowly. He teaches that (laughs) all the time, just walk through the crowd slowly, acknowledge people, shake a hand, say hello. It's a great lesson. No matter how much influence, how important you think your leadership is, you still need to give access to people and be relatable to people. I want to talk about your book, H3 Leadership. Great book. I've actually read it four times now. Every time I read it, I actually get new insights and I'm challenged to work on one of those habits. I'd love for you to share a little bit about the inspiration behind writing the book and maybe some things that you learned through that process. Sure. Thanks for saying that. I'm honored you would read it four times. I wrote it because I was writing it to myself. I think the great books, or at least the books that I like, are the ones where that author is going through something. There's a pain point. And so I was having, I would say, not a crisis of leadership, but I was just stuck in 20. 13 and I took a sabbatical and the habits that came out of that, that are in the buckets of humble, hungry and hustle. It was almost like a recalibration for me, what I wanted my leadership to look like for the next 40 years. And so the premise of H3 was something that I had been living out for the last 20 years before that, but I didn't really call it that. But when people would say, Hey, break it down. Is there like this bar stool of leadership or the three-legged chair of leadership? And those are always the three that came to mind. So that was the why behind the book. The what is hopefully it's practical. When you have three buckets like that, it gives a sense that one, it's easy to remember, but two, people can think, which one of those do I need to work on? And the, the key with even that premise of humble, hungry hustle is you have to live all three of those out if you want to be an effective leader. You can't just be full of humility and then not get anything done. But you also can't be full of hustle and have no humility because then you'll just run over people and it'll be all about you. And the hungry part is a connection point in the middle. So it has to be a balanced diet of those three legs of the stool. That's where it gets pretty hard to do that. But yet that's why the habits are in the book to hopefully give like some practical things to put in place. Yeah, it's really very practical and your application is amazing. I would ask you if you had a young leader come up to you and say, hey, where do I start? There's 20 habits here. I can't do them all. Would there be two or three of the habits that you would encourage maybe a young leader who's maybe just starting out their leadership or potentially somebody who's that individual contributor on the team that's wanting to develop their leadership to take on more responsibility, more influence? Maybe two or three that you think, hey, these are a great place to start. Yeah, I'll give you one in each bucket. The the habit of self-awareness as part of your humility is crucial. So the more you get to know the way you're wired, actually, the more content you become and the more humble you become because content leaders are humble. They're incredibly confident because they know who they are. They're not insecure. So take as many personality tests as you can, because that's going to help you understand the way you're wired intrinsically and ask people around you. Become a student of yourself by asking people around you about you. Because there's things about you that you don't realize that are natural that everybody else knows. So you want to be a student of yourself and you can't lead others until you can lead yourself. And that's true. That's why self-awareness is so important. As part of the hungry bucket, we'll go back to learning, a habit of curiosity. 
We already talked about that, but I just think that one is crucial. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on that one. Under the hustle piece, it's hard because that's my favorite H probably of all three of them. But I would say that, especially if you're starting out, you want to really establish a, a habit of excellence and setting standards in your life that will both scare you as well as elevate you to the next level. And the way to look at that is the approach that you want to start acting and dressing and speaking and praying and dreaming and thinking and all the verbs. You want to start doing that like the role is going to require of you next before you ever get there. That's a higher standard, right? So if if you want to be the senior pastor and you're the student pastor, you better start having a standard like that senior pastor does because there's more requirements. Even though you're not getting paid to that level, you don't have the title, you don't have any of the credibility yet, but start acting like you're already there, even if you never get there. Again, it's still a good practice to put in place. That's really good. Building on that a bit, those are great habits. And I completely agree that those are key for any leader, but specifically young leaders, just to continue to grow. If you had the opportunity to go back and talk to your 20-year-old self, would there be any particular advice that you would share with your younger self? Yeah, a bunch. First would be chill out. You're way too ambitious. You want to you want to change the world right now. Take the long view. Use this next decade to work on your who. Don't worry about your major It's not going to matter. It's important, but it's not going to matter. Figure out one or two people that you want to go just get in their world and learn from. And I I would say spend this next decade really digging deep roots in my walk with Jesus. Scripture memory, discipleship. This is the time when you're going to have the ability to build that foundation. Like the concrete's going to get poured really deep that will carry me. My 20s established my 70s, right? The man of God that I want to be when I'm 75, I have to now start working on that at 20. And that feels weird until you get to 75. And then you look back at your grandson and you go, listen, this is good advice. And there's things that if you make that switch, again, I would have probably just spent a lot more time digging deep roots. That's so good. One of the things that I teach a lot in self-leadership is that idea of work on the root, not the fruit. If you focus on the root issues of your life, the fruit's going to take care of itself, but you can't produce really healthy fruit if the root of your life is unhealthy. So that's such good wisdom. Turning the corner a bit, obviously we've been living in unprecedented times with the pandemic, social unrest. We're uh, in the middle of a very heated election year, a a lot of stuff in politics. Are there any uh, lessons or takeaways from this season that you think are going to shape your leadership moving forward? A couple things come to mind. I feel like I want to be better on the other side of this. And I don't know what even this is. I put this in quotations. How long is this? But I don't want to waste it. But I also want to make sure that taking opportunity to actually like find not just a contentment in what we would call chaos, but also that I just get better. The tendency, I think, for a lot of us is just to bury our head in the sand and hold on. And I don't want to hold on. Like I don't, I don't want to look at this and go, I made it through. I want to I want to look at it and go, I crushed it. So this is like maintenance time. It's like the off season for a ski season. Like, what are they doing in the off season? They're working on the lifts and they're making the runs better and they're doing maintenance on the equipment so that they can go to the next level the next season. What I don't want to do is just put all the equipment away and let the grass grow. And then we get back in November and everybody's, man, nobody did anything the last six months. We're not even ready for ski season yet. And so I, I just want to be like ready to go. Yeah, that's really good. I think you're really good at looking out and seeing the horizon and in the area of leadership. Are there any trends that you see that are changing or going to be different in how leaders lead in the future? 
Yeah, there's a lot of them because it's all getting accelerated during this the last seven months. Everything is going to have to be more virtual, obviously. Practically, it's like being a student of technology, getting really good at using the platforms that everyone is now communicating on. That's just really practical. The idea that I'm going to have to learn how to lead people and influence people who are perhaps in other countries because we're now becoming a digital connected and interconnected culture across the globe. So we've got to become students of, of other cultures. And so one of the things for me, I'm trying to figure out, I'm not any good at it. I'm trying is I'm trying to learn some other languages mm. actually to speak. Do you want to test anything out right here? Oh gosh, no, I'm terrible, but I'm like, I'm leaning into Rosetta Stone, man. Rosetta Stone's my new best friend. So we got to become proficient in other cultures, which really does tie into the whole issue of injustice around other people of color. Like I've got to become a student of their culture, whether they're black or brown as a white guy. And then the third thing is, I think there's going to be rapid acceleration of change. We've seen this even with, let's just use like the way we automatically overnight, everybody had to shift to, I'm going to buy things from my home because you couldn't go to the store, like you couldn't go out. So everything has to be delivered to you. That is just one example of how change is going to become now like a daily thing. And so I've got to be a leader who is adaptive in the way I approach people but also in just the way I approach my own style. The idea that I'm going to have like these principles of leadership that are unchanging, man, that's going to be tough going forward. There's still going to be the things that are unchanging, obviously. Date the model, marry the mission, right? But everybody's going to have to get really good at innovation. Even if you say, oh, I'm not real creative, I'm not innovative, you're going to have to become an expert at innovation because things are going to start changing even more and more faster than they are now. So you just launched a new podcast called H3 Leadership. Tell yes. us a little bit about that podcast. It's not about the book. It's just named after the book, but it's much more about me curating links and resources and recommendations. Some of the things I'm reading, I'm watching the podcast, the young leaders. It's definitely like a, a curation podcast. And then I'll occasionally have guests on and try to pull in some different interview segments that I do with other podcasts and other leaders. It's fun. I do that anyway, James. Like I'm a nerd as it relates to lists. I had all these lists of stuff that people were like, why don't you just put that out there in some form? I'm like, I don't know. Is anybody interested? Yes. So that, that was it. The reason was people just kept saying, I want to get a copy of that, or I want to, I want you to send that to me. And I thought maybe some more leaders would want to have access to those lists. Yeah, that's awesome. You are an avid reader. I know you consume a ton of content. You talk about curating you're like a DJ. You take the, you take the best of like that. all the different stuff and you compile it for the listening or the reading experience for people. I think the average American reads like one book a year. So the fact that you're consuming so much content, you can pull the best and provide the service for people. And I will say you started with some pretty big names, Levi Lesko, Scott Harrison, Carrie Newhoff, you know, yeah. it, it, that always helps when you have those kind of people alongside of your wisdom, you'll blow up pretty quickly. So I'm excited about that yeah. podcast. Yeah. Hopefully it's helpful. And that's the goal is again, to give people a chance to know what's out there because they don't, a lot of them don't have time. Yeah, that's true. So I'm just, I'm trying to be their, their leadership filter. That's awesome. So before we wrap up the conversation, do you mind if we play a little trivia game? No, let's do it. Okay. We call this, would you rather? So I'm going to ask you five pretty quick, would you rather questions and you just answer what you think. So the first one is, this is probably the more serious one. Would you rather have more aha moments or more butterflies in your stomach moments? Oh, aha. Aha moments. Okay. So second, would you rather have a mullet 
or super long dreads? Definitely dreads. <laughs> I could see you in dreads. That would be pretty good. Okay. Would you rather have piano lessons from Elton John or Billy Joel? Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Yeah, same here. Okay. Would you rather- He's the see- piano man. He is a piano man. Yeah, he's the guy. Would you rather see your future self or revisit your child self? Hmm. I think I'll revisit the child self. Try to give them some lessons they didn't know. You didn't know then? Yeah. Last one here. Talk a little bit about your eating habits here. Would you rather enter a hot dog or a pie eating contest? Depends on what the pie is. <laughs> what kind of pie are we talking about? Fruit pies. Ooh, yeah. I'll do a blackberry pie eating contest. Oh, okay. There you go. So I'm in on that. Would you win that one? Okay. Out of the hot dog eating, I don't, I, I could probably get three, four. I don't know. Those guys that can eat 60 and well, they're like dipping that... the buns in water. And oh I, can't my do gosh. That. I do love hot dogs though. So I can, I would probably just do it just to eat some good hot dogs. Can you do 10? You think? Oh and... yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had a white castle? Oh now, yeah. See, I could do a white castle eating contest. Okay. I, yeah. I could do that. All yeah. day long. Crystals. Probably... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all that, all those little sliders, I could do those all day long for sure. Or chicken nuggets. How about that? Yeah. Chicken nuggets. Chicken from nuggets. Chick-fil-A. I can do that. You're speaking my love language there. Come on. Yeah. Well, Brad, this has been awesome having you on the podcast. And thanks again for your time. If listeners want to learn more about you, where would you send them online? They can go to h3leadership.com or just bradmominick.com. And I'm Brad Mominick on all the social media outlets too. I'm going to put those in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link to your podcast so our listeners can jump over there and also a link to your books. And I would highly recommend if you haven't read H3 Leadership, you pick it up, read it. It's an audible, it's Kindle, it's physical copies. It's, it's a great book. Brad, it's been awesome hanging with you. Hope we get to hang out actually in person again sometime soon. And I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast and following your leadership along and seeing how you continue to influence leadership culture in this generation. Thanks, James. You're the best, man. Thanks for doing this. This is going to help a lot of leaders. So appreciate you curating good content. Wow. There is so much in that interview that we could apply to our personal leadership. James, you and I are huge advocates of growing in our self-awareness and helping other leaders in that self-discovery process. I love what Brad said about building a habit of self-awareness and tying it to humility. I think what he said is absolutely true, that self-awareness breeds contentment and the more content you become, the more humble you become which leads to confidence because a confident leader knows who they are through the ruthless elimination of blind spots. Yeah, I agree. I always tell young leaders to take advantage of any and all assessments. No one assessment is perfect or can give a complete profile of your personality and leadership style. But when you put the learnings from each together, it can reveal those blind spots that keep you from really maximizing your influence. We have found this so true in our own lives for sure. We want to remind you that next week is our special Thanksgiving show. It's going to be a great time. 2020 has been a hard year for most of us, and we want to take some time as a community to express our gratitude for the blessings that we have experienced. It's going to be cool and a little different as you hear from some of our past and future guests and from our listeners as well. Well, as we wrap up this episode, we would love to invite you to subscribe. And if you're willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, it will help us get the word out and help others find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram and or Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. Leave us a message or a comment. We would love to hear from you. And as always, we want to encourage you to lead your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves a legacy you want for tomorrow. Until next week. Bye-bye.